just tuned in to join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. And we're so honored that you would join us in the opening of God's Word. Today is going to be a marvelous day in the Word of God as Pam opens up the very pages that give us life and give us purpose. So let's join Pam now as she reveals the truth of the day. Lesson 8. We have made it to Lesson 8. One more week together. So if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, I want you to write at the top of your note sheet, the good, or knowing your good shepherd. Knowing your good shepherd. And we don't have just any shepherd. We have a good shepherd. A good shepherd, a perfect shepherd. And if you were able to do your study, there's so many directions we could have gone with this lesson from our study time. But, and it breaks this teacher's heart. It's so hard to have to narrow down and choose the one path to take. And so tonight, I believe I have the path God wants us to to take tonight and all that we have studied. And if you didn't get a chance to dive into this week's lesson, I want to encourage you to go back and do it um, because it's all about the good shepherd and what that means and pastors, the those who shepherd over God's people and how Jesus is the doorway to that. And so for those shepherds to come in to the sheep. So it's important that you do that lesson if you haven't already. But tonight I want us to look and focus on the relationship of the good shepherd, Jesus, with the sheep. What is the relationship? Because Jesus said, our main text is going to be the 23rd Psalm, but Jesus said, and we're going there, but Jesus said in John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. It's one of the I am. So we're going to go over all the I am's next week. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then in verse 14 of this same chapter, and you you studied it this week. I am the good shepherd, he says again, and I know my own. I know them and my own know me. If we look at the word shepherd and the meaning in the Greek language in the New Testament, let me give you what the word means so we understand what is Jesus as our good shepherd? What does that mean? Because he uses this word to describe who he is, his role in our life. Shepherd, it means one who herds, guards or tends sheep. One who herds guards and tends sheep. I remember the first time that I saw sheep in Israel. And it took me, I I think, a trip or two because I kept wanting to find a black sheep because I knew that that's me. That was me, that black sheep right there. And they stick out when they're in just a regular flock of sheep. They stick out like a sore thumb. And it took me a while, but because one lady kept saying, you're not going to find a black sheep. Well, Well, look at me, lady. I am a black sheep. I know that they exist. And sure enough, they are there. But it's so neat to see them on the hillsides of an, in Israel. It's just a beautiful sight. And the black sheep are mixed right in there with the white sheep. But it means for the shepherds out there, and we've seen shepherds out there with them. And they're herding, they're guarding, they're tending. But it also means one who cares for their daily needs and guides a group of people. And this is speaking of a pastor, which means shepherd, a people as a minister or teacher, listen, in the manner of a shepherd. You see, our pastors today should model themselves. Their role is that of Jesus over us as our good shepherd. And he's their model. 
And so John chapter 10 is all about that model, but it's also about relationship. And the place that we come to understand this relationship between a shepherd and his sheep is found in the words of a shepherd himself that God penned the 23rd Psalm. Because David was a shepherd. And it's easy to forget that about King David, that at the heart of King David, he was a shepherd. So he understood. So this 23rd Psalm is being written from a shepherd. And it says, and we're all familiar, most of us with the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, he says, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, he said, I mean, it's like David blesses himself. Because at the end, it's only six verses long. And he says, surely, out of all of this that I've said, he says, goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He understood that this is carrying me over to eternity. From this point in my life to eternity, loving kindness and mercy are never going to leave me. And this is the goodness of my shepherd to me. There's a story, and it's two men. They were called on in a large classroom to recite the 23rd Psalm. One was a published orator trained in speech technique and drama. He repeated the psalm in a powerful way. I mean, he gave the right inflections. I mean, he increased his, his, his volume just as he needed to. I mean, it was very dramatic. When he finished, the audience, they cheered, they erupted in applause. And they even asked for an encore that they might hear his wonderful voice again. But then the other man, who was much older, he stood up. He braced himself against the podium. He repeated the same words, but out of a humble heart, tears running down his cheeks. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And on and on until he finished this blessed psalm. But when he finished, no sound came from the large class. Silence. Instead, people sat in deep attitude of devotion and prayer. Then the first man, this great, dramatic, trained orator, he stood to his feet and he said, I have a confession to make, he said. The difference between what you have just heard from my old friend and what you have heard from me is this. I know the psalm, but my friend knows the shepherd. So you slap yourself. Yes, do it. You know you want to slap your neighbor. Many of us may know the 23rd Psalm, but listen, but we don't know the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. It doesn't matter how much we can recite it, but do we know the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm? Of the many images that John painted in his gospel, 
in the 21 chapters, probably the most descriptive image that he gives us is that of Jesus as the good shepherd. You see, for like a shepherd, Jesus is concerned with our welfare and the care of his sheep. And if you study the Old Testament at all, and you know that there are names for God, there are names for the Lord God. And the name for the Lord God, our shepherd, is Jehovah-Rohai, R-O-H-I, Jehovah-Rohai. And Jehovah-Rohai was a personal name when people would call on the Lord their shepherd. They would say, Jehovah-Rohai. If they had a need, um, it, w- it would be, you know, like uh, my provider um, uh, or my healer. But my shepherd is Jehovah-Rohai. And so as Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd, what he's saying is, I am your Jehovah-Rohai. And so I want us to lean into him deep tonight and begin to see our relationship with him. And point number one, here it is. And we have to move quickly. We have to move quickly because the clock is my enemy. I don't think there's any clocks in heaven. And I'm going to be so thankful for that. The Lord is my shepherd. Number one, point number one, his provision. I want us to see this is relationship, his provision. Because the first verse of this wonderful psalm that the shepherd David pours out for us about our Jehovah Rohai is the Lord is my, emphasize, my shepherd. He personalizes it. And he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. Now, if we look at the word want, let's write it down quickly. It means to be in need to be needy. It means to be abandoned in time of need or to lack care, to be abandoned in time of need or to lack care, to be in need, to be needy, in other words. So if we say, I shall not want Jehovah-Rohai, the Lord is my shepherd, he's my Jehovah-Rohai, I shall not want, we can put this meaning in there and what it means is I shall not be in need. I shall not be abandoned in time of need. I shall not lack the care that I need. Isn't that an amen slap Ethel truth right there? That's a wonderful truth. Let me give you an insight on sheep. And this is a nugget right here. And I apologize ahead of time because I'm one sheep speaking to another. Okay, tonight. So just understand that when we learn about sheep. Sheep are extremely needy. (laughs) they are destitute without their shepherd. They're destitute. In other words, when you say, Pam, what does that mean? They won't make it. They won't make it. Sheep were never meant to be a lone island. They were never meant to go out and lead themselves, take care of themselves. Sheep are not to be, listen, independent because they are dependent beings, animals. They're dependent. They have to have a shepherd or they will not make it. They cannot, absolutely cannot make it apart from a shepherd. The first understanding as a, as children of God is we've got to understand that we need our shepherd. We have to be led. We have to be guided. We have to be fed. We have to be cared for. We are not to do that ourselves. He is. And so this relationship is we to understand his provision. Paul wrote in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
provision. He's my Jehovah Rahai. I shall not be in want. I will never be abandoned. Want there, listen, means need, not desire. Okay, that's why it's important we look at the, the meaning. It's not that he's going to give me everything I want, and I praise him that he hasn't given me everything I've wanted. I mean, I'd have been in trouble if he had answered every prayer request. There are things I've gone back years later and say, oh, God, thank you for not giving me that right there. Thank you for all the no's, God. Listen, you might have been told no by God right now in the season of life, but I guarantee you there'll be a time. It may not be today, but there'll be a time when you'll go back and you'll praise him for that no. Woo, I'm praising God for that no today. I've been there many times. So our need, he says, I'm your Jehovah Rahai. Paul said, my God will supply all of your needs. Your Jehovah Rahai will give you what you need. You're never alone. My mother is elderly. And I, I was telling uh, Debbie this the other day. I said, you know, my, my mother's not doing well. She's struggling. And so it's a hard season for us. And I said, you know, when my mother dies, I'll be an orphan. I'll be an orphan. And that's kind of a who. And Deb said, you won't be an orphan. You got a heavenly father. But you know, I have a Jehovah Rai. We have someone who will never, ever leave us as orphans. He doesn't send that little sheep out and go, you've had it now. You get over there. I'll come back. I'll think about bringing you back in. He doesn't do that. Praise God. I'm so thankful. Because listen, I've been a naughty little sheep many times and I've needed to be kicked out of the flock. But he has never, listen, even on my worst day, he has still met my need. He still met my need. Listen, not because of who I am and who I'm not, but because of who he is. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 He says this in 25 through 33, he says, For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. I mean, we worry more in America about what we're going to eat, don't we? We plan everything, at least in the South we do. Nor for your body as to what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, don't worry about those things. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns that your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say that you, that even Solomon in all his glory clothed, didn't clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, he says. I mean, he's kind of giving him a whooping right here in, in his teaching. And he says, do not worry then saying, what are we going to eat? Where's our next meal coming from? What are we going to drink? What will we wear? How are we going to make it? Have you ever been there? I have. I mean, Steve first married and we lived off of his little paycheck and you've got little kids and you just wring your hands when you look at the bills. And, you know, we, we, we didn't, we, we had debt as far as our house goes, but we, you know, we lived on the cash method and you just, you know, we put it in the little envelopes like we learned to do our cash and you just think, okay, we're going to have a dollar and 12 cents left this month. And you just think, how are we going to make it? But Jesus says, don't forget you have a Jehovah Rai. 
that whatever you need, don't you worry about if you're going to have clothes. Don't you worry about your next meal. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, he said, all of these things, he goes on to say, will be added unto you. Look right here in verse 33. But seek first, listen, his kingdom, two things, his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven first, not yourself, not your desires, not your plans. Seek first his kingdom, not your hobbies. And then he says, and his righteousness, living holy. If you've got these two things in place, all of these things he just said will be added to you. So the minute that I'm worrying over whether my provision is going to be there, I've not only forgotten about Jehovah Rai, but I need to come over here and take a spiritual assessment. Am I seeking God's kingdom first or my own? And am I seeking to be righteous in his eyes? Listen, in all things. Because if those two things are in place, then I'm going to have what I need. It's his promise from his word. So we see in the good shepherd that you have provision. I have provision. You're not going to lack supply. Point number two, you doing good? You hanging with me? Yes, teacher Pam. I am hanging with you. We've got his provision. Second, we've got his peace. Lord, this is a big one right here. His Peace. The older I get, the more that peace means to me. Peace. He says, because in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, that doesn't mean that I make myself lay down in green pastures. It says, he causes, he makes me. He so situates me that I am able to lie down as a sheep in a green pasture. You see, that's very important that we understand. It says he leads me beside quiet waters or depending on your translation, quiet can mean still. And when you, and it's not on the screen in your notes, but when you look at quiet waters or still waters, it means deep waters. He brings me, listen, to deep waters that are rich, that are refreshing, that are cold, that are full of what I need, the provision. And he says, but he makes me lie down in green pastures. So there are four things, four things that a sheep need to be free from before they can lay down. Number one, they have to be free from fear. They have to be free from fear. We are very fearful beings at times, aren't we? Especially when we turn on the news and we see what's happening. Sheep are extremely fearful little creatures. They're afraid of everything. They're afraid of their own shadow. And so they have to be calmed. It's a lot of work for a shepherd to so create the right atmosphere and work in these areas of freedom for their sheep to be able to lay down and to get the rest that they need in the green pasture. So it's a lot of work on the shepherd's part to do this. But they have to be free, listen, from fear. They can't be afraid. If they're afraid of anything, then listen, peace is, is lost. Peace, it robs you of peace. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, 7, and we'd be, we'd be very intelligent Christians to remember this verse because it says that God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, 
depending on your translation. That spirit of fear is not from God. If you're full of fear, it's not from God. And he says, but he's given us this spirit of power, love and discipline. So sheep have to be free from fear before they can lay down. The second thing, they have to be free from friction. Woo, we could camp here for a week, couldn't we? They have to be free from friction. And you say, do you mean friction with the world? No, no, no. Friction within the fold, within the flock. They won't lay down if there's friction with each other in this little flock of sheep. You say, does that happen? Oh, yes, it happens. It happens a lot. And when you study this, when you study this, you come to understand that this is external challenges. People. Listen, all God's people got problems, right? Because we with each other. A lot of times people are our problems, right? Well, at least we think they are. But he says friction, and it speaks of relationships. If our relationship, if you're not right with your spouse, if you're warring with a family member, or your child and you are at odds with each other, or another member in the body of Christ, friction, relationships, listen, friction with other, others, budding order. And you see, in, in, the, in the sheepy world... What happens in the sheep world is that there'll be some that want to kind of flaunt their age or superiority. And so when they find a nice green patch of grass where they've been led, they'll, they'll, they'll butt each other out and shoulder them and knock them in the head to, to get them out away from the green grass. And so they'll get nice and fat and you got these skinny little ones over here because they can't get over here because of that. We call it in the hen house pecking order. And so it's this friction that we don't want to give up our position and we're not going to share with you. Selfishness, warring with others, jealousy, conflict, selfishness. It's all about my needs, not about yours. The need to be in control, large and in charge, free from friction. Have you ever been at war with someone else? How do you sleep at night if something's not settled, right? It, 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 what does it do? It turns. It's internal. It causes internal or external, but it causes internal problems. Ezekiel 34 is an interesting passage, and it was in our study. Ezekiel 34, and I'm just going to pick out verses 17 through 21, and he's talking about the flock. And he's talking about the bad shepherds and the bad ones that are in the flock. He says, as for you, my flock... Now he's talking about the flock to the sheep, to us. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and the male goats. Is it too slight a thing for you that you should feed in the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pastures, or that you should drink of the clear waters and that you all of a sudden you'll find yourself, he says, fouling the rest with your feet? trampling through someone else's water. He says, as for my flock, they must eat what you tread down with your feet and what you drink with your fowl, what you fowl with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, even I will judge between that fat sheep and that lean sheep. This is what he's talking about. He says, because you push with side and with shoulder and you thrust at all the weak 
with your horns until you have scattered them abroad. That's painfully convicting. We can't shoulder and bully and claim our spot. It's like claiming a pew on a Sunday morning. Listen, I see it all the time. Listen, I see it all the time. I hear it. And that's a small thing. But he said, you're, you're, you're pushing and your, your forward attitude with people and rather, rather than gentleness, rather than in love. And listen, in love can speak truth. Don't misunderstand me. And sometimes truth is hard, but we don't ever have to divorce it from truth. But he says, when you come in and you're all about yourself, when you're all about what you need, when you're all about your position and your spot, he said, you harm the others and they can't grow. You're, you're hindering their growth in Christ and you're, you're stomping them out and you're running them right out of the church where they're being fed, running them out of Bible study, running them away from God's word rather than saying, hey, come over here and let's feed at the same table together. Let's, let's break the bread of God's word together. And God says, you're going to answer for that someday. So sheep have to be free from fear. They have to be free from friction. They have to be third, free from hunger. If they're hungry, they can't rest. They can't lie down. And you say, Pam, how are they going to be free from hunger if there's friction and someone's not letting them feed and they're running them off from feeding? They're going to be hungry, right? They're going to be hungry. And fourth, we're going to move for these quickly. They have, fourthly, they have to be free from pests. Free from pests. You say, what is this? Okay, the other friction, free from friction, that's external thing. That's people, situations, even though it affects internal, but it's external is the source. Pest, you know, sheep will get these flies in their nose and in their eyes, but it gets in their nose and on their head. And, and, and that's why it says he anoints my head with oil, a good shepherd. And it takes a lot of time to anoint each head with oil to keep these pests away from bothering them. I read, I was raised with horses and animals. And even when I had children, we had a horse farm. And so same thing with that. We had to keep that, 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 um, that head, you know, uh, moistened with the ointment to keep the bugs and the flies away. Same thing with sheep. And so these pests that sheep um, have and have to battle, what that's a picture of for us, I believe, is our internal, it's an internal source. A lot of times it's our own thoughts our own thoughts, regrets, failures, rehearsing our wrongs in our head, just, you know, having it on repeat, opinions, carrying offenses, holding a grudge. You know, some of us in here tonight, big old grudge holders, unforgiveness, etc. The list could go on and on and on. Those pests, those things that nag at us, 
you know, I haven't done that and the Lord's told me to. I, I haven't tithed as I should. I haven't served as I should. I, I haven't been faithful in that area. I've, I've, you know, whatever it is, it's just that nagging little pest. You know, I, I, I have this thought that I need to check on sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so and I haven't done it. It's that thought that just keeps pestering and pestering and pestering. Have you ever had God telling you to do something and you just, oh, okay. And you just know, I knew I should have just said yes to begin with. And I've tried to be better at that. I, I, want, to, I want to obey. So disobedience can just be that pass, 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 pass. So write this nugget down. Write this nugget down. We will never know his rest until we kneel in his pasture. We will never know the restless and that only he can give us until we kneel in his pasture. For sheep to get down, there's a kneeling involved in that. It's a kneeling involved in that. And listen, a lot of sheep, we get up on our high horse, don't we? On our goat horse, so to speak. And you know what the Lord's going to do? He just has to notch us down. You know, you, you need to be kneeling. It's an unkneeling, submissive position that you rest in my green pastures. It's not haughty and authoritative. It's low and humble and meek before the Lord. Listen, completely trusting in the, in the shepherd, the good shepherd. I'm completely trusting you in this pasture that you're going to be watching my back and you're going to watch wherever I can't see. You're going to be watching and protecting me while I'm there. So third, our third point is his presence, his presence. We, we have his provision, his peace, but third is his presence with us because David, the shepherd, writes in verse 3 of the 23rd Psalm, he restores my soul, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now see, sheep are not only needy, but they're not intelligent. I'm sad to say but they're not intelligent. They will veer off the path. They'll just start eating and eating and they go, oh, 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 and they get on a trail and they just keep eating and eating and eating. Sheep will eat themselves right off the side of a cliff. They will because they're so into the eating, they're not paying attention because they're not intelligent. And when they wander, if they keep eating and they wander off and they see the tracks of something, and they'll, they'll wander a little bit and they'll circle around and they'll come back and they'll see their own hooves right there. They'll see their own imprint and they'll start following it. And what it's doing is they'll say, oh, here's some, here's somebody. Let me just follow them. And they're going around and around in a circle because they're following, listen, themselves. <laughs> if you follow yourself, you're going to get in a rut. And that's what happens with sheep. Listen, they go around and around and around and, and they go, listen, they'll just keep going and going and going. I know it's got to lead somewhere. I'm just following these. They, and listen, and the more they follow, they go, hey, more has joined in. Because they're seeing more prints than they saw before. Listen, this is the truth. And they wear down that path, gets deeper and deeper until their little legs get so stuck down that they can't make it. They get bogged down. And if a sheep, listen, ever gets over on their back, they die. If they ever, listen, if they ever land on their back, they won't make it. 
they can't get themselves over. Sheep are very needy, but they're not very intelligent. They're not very intelligent. They will get, they'll wander off. They'll wander off. And it says that he leads me in the paths of righteousness. How he does that is because sometimes when a, when a shepherd leads their flock out, when he leads their flock out, what he'll do is he will, um, he will take them out and sometimes they're, they're in mixed in with another, with another herd. And so they're grazing together, sharing the, the green space. And when it's time for them to separate and, you know, follow me, when he calls, they know his voice. Another voice, and you studied this in your study this week, another voice they simply will not follow. Jesus taught that. They come, they're so personal with their shepherd, they know his voice. And there's a story, a true story, that there were several flocks sharing the same sheepfold. However, when the shepherd of the sheep walks to that door and calls the sheep, you know, we know that they'll come. Well, this one story is that a man in Australia was arrested because he slipped in and he stole a man's sheep. And he was charged with it, and he claimed emphatically that it was one of his own that had been missing for many days. When the case went to court, because the owner showed up, the case went to court. The judge was puzzled because he said, how am I going to prove which sheep, you know, which owner this sheep belongs to? And so he said, I'll tell you what. He asked the sheep to be brought into the courtroom. Very unorthodox, but he did it. And then he ordered the plaintiff to go step outside and call the animal. Well, he called and called and called. The sheep made no response, except he looked fearful. He was afraid of that voice. Then the judge instructed the defendant, who was the real owner, to go out into the courtyard and call the sheep. And when the accused man began to make his, listen, distinctive call, the sheep, the owner, the sheep bounded toward the door. It was obvious that he recognized the familiar voice of his master. You see, because he leads a shepherd, listen, a shepherd doesn't drive his sheep. He doesn't drive his sheep. He leads his sheep. He goes before them and they're familiar with his voice. There are many voices that compete for our attention today, even more so in our generation with uh, all the, all the, social media and the contacts that we can have, we can get overwhelmed. But there are a lot of voices. There are a million podcasts on any subject that we can have and all the stations that are at our disposal now out there in TV land. A lot of voices contending for our attention. We need to come to know the voice of our shepherd. And we come to know his voice by studying his word. I can hear of a situation and it may not be an exact place in scripture you can go, but my heart knows that's not the word of the Lord right there. That's not the word of the Lord. I've had, if you're in ministry, you'll have people come to you and said, the Lord has told me this about you, or the Lord's told me that you're to do this. No, no, no. He's my shepherd. He's going to tell me. He's going to lead me. He doesn't lead me through other. He leads me. And when he has, listen, when he's gone before, when he puts forth his own, he goes before them. And you need to know the voice of your shepherd. And you won't know it outside of his word. And being in his Bible study, being in Bible study, being in his word in your Bible on a regular basis. 
You won't know the voice of your shepherd. When he calls, write this nugget down, everything changes. Everything changes. He goes on to say in verse 5, the, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, listen, one means that leadership. One is use the rod. Listen, uh, the, the staff is to lead which is his word, but the rod is for discipline. And he says, even when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. In Israel, we got to go to the place. It's called the valley of the shadow of death. And so we're up on this cliff. You can actually go down in there. I wish we could, you know, blow that up, but you'll see that there's, there, there's uh, like a castle looking, you know, in there. And it's really a monastery And it's been there forever, but way down in there, I wanted to go down in there. And of course we couldn't, we didn't have the time, but you can actually walk and it's along and it's called the, 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 the valley of the shadow of death. Because when you get down in there, it's so dangerous because you're walled up. And when you get so far in, you can be trapped. Someone can be waiting as as you get in to come behind you and somebody can waiting at the exit to trap you. And they can be up on the high cliffs and you never know that they're there. And so David said, even when I'm having to walk and even when the sheep, when, when he's leading me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I love that, listen, he said, it's not just into it, but it's through it. He said, I'm leading you through it, not to it, not in it, but through it. And he said, when he leads me through it, he said, I won't have to be afraid. And as we, as we looked, you could you could look at all these rock formations. It's, it's huge. It's like standing at the top of the Grand Canyon almost. And you look and you would see these, these trickles of water that they had sourced and run down on these cliffs. And I thought even God's, God will design even the valleys that we pass through to give us what we need. And so it can be so dangerous. And, and David, who probably pass through this passage, we know, said, I understand, even though I have to pass through this place, a man who had to hide in caves, who had to pass through these dangerous places, he said, I will fear no evil because you're, listen, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I'm in these places, your word is going to come to me. You're going to bring it to my remembrance and I'm going to meditate and remember who my God is. And then when I get off track, the rod, you know, that shepherd, what he would do when that, when that sheep was so naughty and it kept going off astray, he would go over here, listen, and, and isolate himself. You know, I'm going to run away from the flock because, listen, I don't need the shepherd. I don't need the flock. I'm just going out on my own. And so that naughty sheep goes out. This is what the shepherd has to do. He'll go and he'll get it and he'll go, don't do that anymore. And he'll put it back in. Well, how many of us, the Lord has spanked us a time or two, and we go right back out to the same thing. Same behavior, right? Same, same wrongdoing, same naughtiness. And eventually what the shepherd will have to do, because you see, sheep are by nature followers, just by nature. And they'll see somebody else and they'll go, well, hey, well, where's Harry going? Well, let's go see what Harry's doing. Why does Harry get over there and we're all stuck over here? I don't understand. 
And so they'll go after Harry. They'll go where Harry's going because eventually people are going to notice Harry slipping out and being naughty. So what the shepherd does, what the shepherd does, he'll go out there and he'll get little Harry. I hope there's no Harry's in the sanctuary. He'll go and he'll get Harry and he'll say, okay, that's enough. I've warned you. I've tried to love you because we don't like discipline, do we? But discipline from the Lord is very godly. It's very godly. It's hard, but it's godly. And he'll take that little sheep and he'll take out his rod and he'll break its leg. He'll break its leg. Listen, he cuts off his ability to run, to separate out from the the herd, to go into, in other words, the direction in a place where he shouldn't be going. So he'll break his leg. He'll set that little bone. He'll wrap it up and he'll tuck it right here inside of his cloak. And he carries that little naughty Harry for weeks. Why does he have to carry Harry? Because he can't walk. He broke his leg. But he carries Harry the whole time that shepherd is still shepherding. He's still anointing heads with oil. He's still leading the sheep. He's still taking them out to, to pastures to feed and, 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 and helping calm them so they'll lay down and rest and they'll eat in those pastures. He's still putting them up at night. He's still guarding and protecting. And he, all the time he's talking to the sheep and he's still leading, but he's carrying Harry right here. And finally the day comes that he checks Harry's little leg. And naughty little Harry, something happens. He takes him out of his cloak. He unbinds his leg. He puts him down and he kind of pats him back into the fold. But this time Harry reacts differently. He doesn't wander anymore. He wants to stay as close to the shepherd as he can be. Why? Because because of the discipline. It brought him near to the heart of the Savior. And Harry got used to hearing the heartbeat of the Savior all those weeks. He was right up here. Boom, 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 boom. He came to learn the heartbeat of the Savior, of the shepherd for him. Our Savior, our shepherd, Jesus for us. And he doesn't want to be separated anymore because he got so used to, listen, the closeness, the nearness of the shepherd, even though the discipline was hard, it drove him to the shepherd. And so little naughty Harry doesn't run away anymore. And that's what our shepherd does for us. Our last P, our last P is his protection. His protection. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. We know why. You've gotten rid of those those internal struggles that we have. Um, My cup overflows. He said, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's talking about the protection that he finds in the sheepfold with the shepherd. He said, you're going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I want you to look at the the picture that we have of the sheepfold. In Israel, this is just one. They're actually at night, and, and not always can they do this, but when we went to Bethlehem, we got to go into all of these sheep caves. And uh, uh, it's a cleft. It's a cleft in the rock. 
so to speak. A lot of these caves are just like a rock that's been carved out. And, and at night, that's the ideal place. A shepherd's going to lead those sheep in there for the night, corral them in. And some of them only have one opening. And some of them are open on the front. But whatever the case is, that, that shepherd is going to either rock them in all the way. He's going to have one door going in, one opening going in and out. And at night when those sheep lay down, that shepherd's role doesn't change. His care doesn't change. He lays his body over the entrance of that, that cave, that sheepfold. Because while you're resting, while you're in that, and you're sleeping, and we know that our God never slumbers, he never grows tired. That good shepherd, our good shepherd, our Jehovah Rai, his body, he said, he lays his body across the threshold. So if someone's going to come in and get to you, they have to go through him. They have to go through him. And you see, Jesus said in John 10, 18, he said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This commandment I have received of my father. Do you know what the good shepherd will never do? And this is your final nugget for tonight. The good shepherd will never run. He will never run. His love is always sacrificial. His love is always sacrificial. For us to know that we have a shepherd, Christianity is not a religion. That's why it's called a relationship. Because we're a sheep that are in desperate need for a shepherd. We won't make it without the shepherd. And when we come to have the shepherd, we've got to understand the relationship. That he's my peace. He's my provision. He's my protection. We need to understand what our role is to him and what his role is to us. Do you know the one role that you have? Follow your shepherd. Stay close to him. Don't allow a separation to get between you and him. Not anything. Not a relationship. Not a dream. Not a goal. Not work. Your career hobbies, traveling, whatever it is, retirement. I have many friends because of the age I met retiring. And I thought, you don't need to retire. As, you, as you've heard, we do need to refire. I believe in that. But there's no retirement for the sheep. We keep following the shepherd. We keep doing his command. We keep serving him every day that we wake up as his sheep. How can I please my good shepherd today? How can I love my Jehovah Rahai as much as he has loved me? So I don't know where you are tonight. You might have a need that is so great, a provision that you need. Well, he's your provision. You might need peace because of conflicts or struggles in family or situations. And you need peace. You might be in fear. You might have internal conflict. But whatever it is, the good shepherd saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest because he's the good shepherd. Do you know when Moses, and I never connected this, and with this I'll close, and if we were to go to Exodus, we would see that there was a time when Moses said, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. And God said, there's a place by me in the cleft of the rock. And do you know what he's saying there? It's the cleft that we just saw in the sheepfold. There's a place by me, and if you'll let me bring you into the fold of that cleft, in there as my sheep, if you'll let me bring you in there, I'll let you see my glory. You'll get a glimpse of it, but you got to be in the cleft. You got to be in the fold. You got to let me bring you into that rock, that fold, and I, there I'll protect you. And if you'll trust me, if you'll surrender to me, he said, then there's going to be a time when I'm going to lift and uncover your eyes and let you see my glory in a way that you've never seen it before. You see, you have a good shepherd. I have a good shepherd. But my relationship with him, listen, is everything. It's everything. You've been listening to Join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. Here at JBOP Ministries, we're so honored that you would join us for the reading of God's Word. We pray that today's message has been an encouragement to your soul. Join us next time for Join the Word with Pam Jenkins. God bless y'all.